Hello and welcome to another episode of the Solution Focus Toolkit. I'm Michael Dawson from the Action Factory. And for decades, we've been working to take solution-focused brief therapy out of the therapy room and into your workplace. Now, I'm talking to you every Monday morning because you are our ideal listener. You work in social care, education, residential or youth work. You're in the people business and we release on a Monday morning to remind you that you've got the greatest job in the world, helping people improve their lives. This broadcast sees the world through a solution-focused lens and as always, we attempt to break down the solution-focused approach and then put it back together again in a way that works for you. As promised today, I want to talk about everything wrong with solution-focused brief therapy. Okay, so the question is, what are the limitations with solution-focused, with the solution-focused approach as a therapeutic model? Okay, in the interest of clarity, I have found this, um, I have found this article on positivepsychology.com and I, in the interest of clarity, I think I should quote word for word and not name the person who made the quote because obviously he's not here to kind of def defend his self and it's not as if we've actually got an argument to win either way. I'm just interested in my view on these, what I called uh, the limitations and p potential disadvantages of solution-focused brief therapy. Okay, so um, I I'll give my six pennyworth if you like and I'd love to hear what you think obviously. So let's go with the first one, the potential for clients to focus on problems that the therapist believes are secondary problems. For example, the client may focus on current relationship problem rather than the underlying self-esteem problem that is causing the relationship woes. Solution-focused therapy dictates that the client is the expert and the therapist must take what the client says at face value. So there you go, it's in the text. The potential for clients to focus on problems that the therapist believes are secondary. First of all, I would say, how dare anybody try, uh, least of all a therapist and certainly a solution-focused therapist, how dare you, if I'm a client, n try and tell me that you know my life better than I do and what my actual problem or issue actually is. I find that um, kind of slightly insulting, really. And it says that solution focused dictates that the client is the expert and the therapist must take what the client says at face value. Yes, it does. I, I think that's the answer. Yes, it does. Solution focused therapy is designed that the client is the expert in the room, not the therapist. So as far as I'm aware, yeah, um, th the answer to that question is right there in the text. How can a therapist possibly know more about your life than you do? Now, we often have a little joke in my training when I'll say, yes, the easiest thing in the world is to solve other people's problems. It, you know, we're joking, we're being ironic, but it really is. If you're alcoholic, just stop drinking. You know, if you're depressed, cheer up. But other people's lives, they walk in different shoes. And in NLP practice, you know, one of the very, very common things is, you know, that one solution was once a, a problem was once a solution to another problem. And even in the words of Steve DeShazer, complex problems don't always require complex solutions. So I don't accept at all that the client 
isn't the expert and I do not accept that that is a disadvantage. It is the biggest advantage of solution-focused therapy. Okay, next one. The client may decide that the treatment is successful or complete before the therapist is ready to make the same decision. This focus on taking what the client says at face value may mean the therapist must end treatment before they are convinced that the client is truly ready. Again, it's that therapist arrogance that I find incredible. So if a client has been stood up on his own two feet using the solution-focused model, do we have the right as therapists to drag them back and tell them that you are not ready to get on with your life? You are not truly ready. Now, I accept that I've had sessions with clients where they've and they wanted to just jump out of the chair and get back on with their lives. And we've, I've held them back to kind of rehearse and go over some of the changes that they're ready and keen to make in their lives. However, I just don't understand the idea of holding a client back when he's actually saying to you, you know, this all seems clear to me. I'm going to go away and I'm going to make some changes. And I know that you're here if I need to kind of come back. Remember, Woody Allen was in therapy for 28 years and he might still be to this day for all I know. But a solution-focused therapist is exactly that. They are focusing on a solution. They are standing you up. They are taking their hands off you and letting you get on with your life. It is incredibly empowering for the client. Okay, the next one is the work of the therapist may be ignored. When conducted successfully, it may seem that the client solved their problems by themselves and it didn't need the help of the therapist at all. Uh, a solution-focused therapist may rarely get credit for the work they do, but must take all the blame when sessions end unsuccessfully. Uh, I'm not quite sure what unsuccessful means, uh, unless that means the therapist wasn't happy with where he got to or the client wasn't happy with where they got to, but again... Um, it's more about, as far as I'm concerned, being the curious inquisitor about this problem. We do not own it, we do not have answers, and we hold back as much of our suggested answers as, as we can. The hard work of the therapist may be ignored. That's wonderful. I love it when that happens, you know, when uh, we call it leaving no footprints, you know, so it's almost the softest of touches. And it's, it's beautiful to see your client suddenly realise that, wow, I can move on from this just after talking to you. Remember some of our earlier pod podcasts when I talk about some of you, people who, people who you know who are not solution-focused trained. But, wow, doesn't it feel great when you've gone to them with a problem and you come away and you think, ah, I just don't know why it is, but they don't lecture me, they don't tell me what to do, and I just feel... I just feel better when I've spoken to them. So, you know, you don't need years of academic training to be solution-focused uh, in your approach. Okay, next one is very similar to the others. Uh, it's a different quote from a different paper, but it says the focus on quick solutions may miss some important underlying issues. Again, probably written by someone who doesn't fully understand solution-focused therapy and how it works. Um, uh, underlying issues, diagnosis, labelling, 
Um, um, you know, so patients are, have all those things. Patients get diagnosis and labels and treatment. We don't have patients. We have clients and they come to us to feel better and feel more empowered and use the strengths they already have to get on with their lives. Um, okay, another one, the quick goal-orientated nature of solution-focused therapy may not allow for an emotional, empathetic connection between therapist and client. Um, again, this is one that steps outside of the solution-focused model. I wrote a paper, you'll be able to find it um, if you click on um, the sign-up thing around about this podcast and you'll get all of these uh, papers on PDF called Caring Only Makes It Worse. And it told a story about how once we get involved too much with a client and an experience that I'd had, then solution-focused therapy and the model can go completely out the window. But the solution-focused model is all we've got for working with people. We can't throw that out, chuck our papers to one side and put our arms around the client. The doctor wouldn't do that if he was treating you for an illness that was quite painful. He wouldn't throw his papers to one side and go, oh, come and give me a hug. I know how much that hurts. And do you know why he wouldn't do that? He wouldn't do it because he would know he isn't helping you. Uh, by doing that. He is a professional and he is following a process to get to the bottom of what's wrong. So we're doing that in solution uh, focused therapy. Emotional and empathetic connection, I think by its nature and its hands-off way, solution focused therapy does generate that very, very quickly. Uh, next one. Um, or here's the next one. If the client wants to discuss factors outside of their immediate ability to affect change, solution-focused brief therapy may be frustrating in its assumption that clients are always able to fix or address their problems. That's an interesting one. I'll give it. I'll give it a little bit. So, when you come and see me, um, and and you may have been through the training, you may know about assumptions, and I am really, really keen and hyped on assumptions and what assumptions mean. I make assumptions about you as a client and that affects how I speak to you, how I um, treat you, I treat you with respect, I assume you have all the resources available to you to resolve the issue you've got. Okay, so if the client wants to discuss factors outside their immediate ability to affect change, it can be frustrating in its assumption that the clients are always able to fix their problems. Um, it's only frustrating if, one, you go down that rabbit hole with them and you don't guide the conversation away from those things. The client does need time to talk through. And I, I'm always willing to listen to the whole story and what they believe it's all about. Because again, I come back to the same thing. I am the curious inquisitor. I'm not the guy that's here with a cure for you to tell you what you're doing wrong. It will always come from you. So that's that one. Okay, next one. Um, generally, solution-focused work can be an excellent treatment for any of the common stresses people experience in their lives, but it may be inappropriate if the clients want to concentrate more on the symptoms and how they got to where they are today. 
Um, and as noted earlier, it's also generally not appropriate for clients with major mental health disorders. Okay, firstly, um, the way I sometimes look at solution-focused work and the problems we all have, and we all have them, we are sometimes dealt a game of cards, a pack of cards or a hand of cards, and there are any number of ways those cards can be used. And sometimes people just need a little bit of um, help to guide them into a different way of playing the game, a different way of working. I'm not changing the cards. I'm not changing your skills. I'm just point helping you to find and point out these things. Okay, so the last part of that also says it's generally not appropriate for clients with major mental health disorders. Again, that's if you want to cure it. So, let's suppose you are quite um, severely kind of bipolar schizophrenic, okay? Could you use uh, solution-focused therapy with that? I have. Did I cure that or did I attempt to cure that? No. And I'll tell you the story of what happened. I got a phone call. I used to be a kind of mobile therapist around the youth services and colleges. And there was a guy, uh, it was kind of a big guy as well, a really frightening guy. He'd started to intimidate and, and scream at people down at the college. They didn't know what the hell to do. The only thing they had was my number. So they called me to go in. Okay. So I go into the college and um, I managed to meet the guy. Uh, people were really frightened and on edge. And, and in honesty, I was a little bit as well. He was a huge intimidating guy. And obviously he was uh, schizophrenic from what I know. He'd stopped taking his medication. He was screaming at people and he was screaming at me. And we kept, managed to sit down and have a chat. I didn't have anything else. I only had solution-focused therapy. But guess what? Because I'm not telling him, and I don't do this with any client... Our conversation was within his space. It was within his model of the world. So it worked very, very well because I didn't try and go outside of his world and explain why he should or shouldn't be um, doing what he was doing or saying what he was saying. So, uh, of course, I didn't cure that mental illness. I never intended to. But what else did I have? I couldn't work with him and say, okay, I'm going to talk to you, but I'm going to come out of solution-focused therapy now because this won't cure you. I just had to work within that framework. No cure. However, we managed to have a conversation, calm the whole thing down, da-da-da. So there you go. Um, okay, next one. It can be utilised to save money, which means rushing much-needed therapy. Again, do you know anything about solution-focused therapy? Solution-focused is solution-focused. Um, if you come and see me, I will tell you, we will probably work together for three to six sessions. That's usually what happens. I was, um, I was one of the founding members of the Family Intervention Service in Manchester, and we worked with families to avoid breakdown. Our success statistics were off the scale for families and keeping kids at home instead of them being kind of bunged in care like I was when I was young. Now I've got some old information that cut, puts the cost of a single residential placement in care at £123,000 a year, okay? So that's far and away from the cost which is incalculable of a kid in the care system. 
crime, drugs, homelessness. Those are just statistics. We avoided that in over 85% of clients and families we work with. So there's a danger of it being used as a money saving exercise. Um, yes, there is. <laughs> I think that's a great thing. So yes, that um, that is exactly what it was because we weren't going to put children into the care system and we weren't going to put children in danger by keeping them at home. They were usually just general family breakdowns in a way like mine was when I was a kid and I was marched to a social worker's office and I was sent off to my children's home and the rest is history. So uh, there you go. Those are my humble and biased opinions. Uh, so please take them at that. And uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on any of these points. And um, if you want the PDF and you'd like to kind of have a discussion, then, of course, there's always room around about here somewhere to sign up, drop your email and get these PDFs in your inbox. I call them desk droppers. You can just throw them on a manager's desk. Just a little bit of information that could be helpful for you in your role. So that's it for another Monday. I want to thank you for listening to the Solution Focus Toolkit. Have a great week and remember you have got the greatest job in the world. You're in the people business. Uh, so please remember, click around this uh, podcast and sign up with your email and get the set of PDFs. And next week, I'm going to be telling a story. <laughs>